You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. I am so excited about what we have to share this morning. I, you know, I often say, I often say that, but I often say too, uh, you know, I, I do my best to, to pray and believe God for uh, what to minister to you. And, and I'd like to say uh, every week, you know, I know uh, that I truly endeavor to minister what God lays on my heart, but I specifically have instructions to get into what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And um, here's what I believe. I want to show you, um, or let me just mention a scripture to you, and that is this, Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, after Jesus uh, was ascended to heaven, you know, after he had just gotten through giving his disciples the commission, I love what it says in verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The New King James says, with accompanying signs. And I looked it up, I did a little study, and in that particular verse, what that actually means is that the Lord, it says this, that the Lord working with them and confirming what that actually means in the Greek language is God gave a guarantee that the word is true and that he will do what he said he would do. And then I looked at, at the latter part of that verse where it says, and, and uh, confirming the words, uh, word through the accompanying signs following, and that word literally in the Greek language means follow closely, almost like if you're duplicating step by step right behind somebody. So, I'm saying that to say this, as we minister this series, Jesus the Healer, here's what I believe is going to happen. God is going to show up and confirm the word that we minister, and I believe with all my heart, just as sure as I know my name, somebody's going to get healed in this series. Amen? So just stay in faith with me, believe God with me, and uh, we're going to get into this. If you came in today and didn't receive a handout, if you uh, want to get one, just hold your hand up. We have some extra ones in the back. We'll get one to you. But let's just jump right on into this. And so again, as I was praying and, and asking the Lord what he wanted me to uh, start on in this series, I heard it very clearly in prayer this week, and that the Lord said this, establish the will of God in the matter. So what we're going to do today is we're going to begin to establish what is the will of God where healing is concerned, and we're going to look at it from the Word of God. So I want to say this to you. It is God's will for you to be healed. Well, thank you for that handful of amens. I believe that it is, and the Word teaches that it is God's will for every believer to be healed. So we're going to look at this. Now, you're going to have to establish, let me say this from the beginning, you are going to have to establish, bless you, and settle in your heart what is the will of God. Now, and I mean, what is the will of God concerning healing? You're going to have to establish that. And I'm going to say this to you, you did it where salvation is concerned. 
Think about this with me. When somebody preached to you or ministered to you or shared the gospel with you, you became convinced. Now, and, and, and I'll just speak for myself. I'm not going to pretend to speak for you. I knew my past. And if there was anything that I had to be convinced of is in spite of that, God still loved me. Jesus still went to the cross, paid the price for my salvation, and it was his will for me to be saved. Once I was convinced of that, then I had something to base my faith on and I could say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, I make you my Lord and Savior. And so the same thing is true with everything that we receive from God. You have to get it established in your heart that it is God's will first for you to be born again, for you to be saved, and then everything else that follows, you have to establish that in your heart. So let's get right into this. If uh, you're taking notes, write this down. And I believe I, I got this from Smith Wigglesworth, the great minister that was around in the early part of the 20th century, and that is this, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So once you clearly know what the will of God is in whatever area it might be, there is a basis for faith. Because as long as you don't know what the will of God is, there's always going to be a question mark. Now, I will go so far as to say there are believers that believe maybe part of what we're saying. In other words, they believe that God has the ability to heal, uh, you know, and that he is all powerful and all those types of things. But if when it gets right down to it, if you, if you ask them what is in your heart, the question is, I'm not sure he would heal me. Okay, so... You, you have to establish that. So faith begins where the will of God is known. It's not just enough to believe that God is able to heal someone. You must believe God is able and willing to heal you. Say this, say God is willing and able to heal me. Okay, so write this down, please. Your faith will never go beyond your highest question mark. And listen, this is not just pertinent to healing. This is pertinent to everything. If you're not thoroughly convinced that it is God's will for you to have your needs met, that question mark will always be the end of your faith. That'll be as far as your faith is able to go. So what you have to do is you've got to get rid of the question marks and establish some things in your heart. So faith will never go beyond your highest question mark. So what I want to do today is we're going to begin to layer this out. We're going to dive into this. And I want to encourage you, those of you who are on Bible study on Wednesday nights, what do I say? Pay attention to the details. Oh, some of you got it that are just from here Sunday. All right, y'all are good. All right, so we're going to get into some things. We're going to look at it. Now, I want to say this to you. If you want to find out what the will of God is in the matter is, there's two sources for us to find that out, primarily. Number one, what does the Bible say? And, and this isn't in your notes. But number two, what does Jesus do? How does he respond? You know the old bracelet that everybody was wearing. What would Jesus do? WWJD? Okay, we're going to look at some, some WWJDs 
where healing is concerned. Okay, so write this down, please. To see what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. If you got any questions about the character and the nature of God, look at Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Everybody look up for just a moment. I'm going to ask you to, for this message today, this lesson today, forget what maybe your understanding is about God that's been shaped by what you've been told in the Old Testament. And I'm going to say, here's why. Because it, 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 there's a lot of things from the Old Testament that have been misrepresented and you're going to think, in other words, you'd be tempted to think God's schizophrenic. He has multiple personalities, okay? God is one way in the Old Testament, but he's another way in the New Testament. It's not true. He's the same God, has never changed. Malachi 3, 6, 3, 6 the Lord says, I am the Lord, I change not. So there is a difference in the way he dealt with people in the Old Testament and we're going to talk about this, not today, but we're going to get into this because I want to eliminate every opportunity for questions, okay? But I, I want us to just set that aside for just a moment, and we're going to focus on Jesus today. Do me a favor, say his name. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Okay. So we're going to focus our attention on him and let him be our example of the heavenly father. So to see what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Let's look at some scriptures that Jesus said about himself. John 14, verses 9 and 10. Now, I, and I, I really dove into this, and I didn't include part of this in, in the lesson or in your scriptures, your notes. Uh, but I, I really read this, and there is some humor in the Bible. I don't know if you know this or not, okay, if you've ever picked up on this. But here's a scenario. Jesus, by the time we get to John, the 14th chapter, he's in the last week of his earthly ministry. He's not long before going to the cross. He's spending his last night, few moments with the disciples, and he's imparting some things to them, sharing some things with them. And so in this opportunity, you know, Jesus has just gotten through telling them, saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place. And so he's just gotten through telling that. And Philip, the, the disciple Philip, raises his hand, I'm imagining, or he says, hey, Jesus, I got a question. Now, and, and, and let me say this before I say what the question was. Uh, these men, these 12 disciples, have been living, eating, traveling, and ministering with Jesus for three and a half years. Okay? Not three and a half days, three and a half weeks, three and a half months, three and a half years, okay? So I just wanted to say that because what happens here is Philip gets the Lord's attention and he says, Jesus, when are you going to show us the Father? And I can imagine Jesus' response was, well, duh, okay? No, he didn't, the Bible doesn't say that, but it kind of is implied by what he says here. So uh, look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? In other words, have I been with you for three and a half years, Philip, and yet you have not known me? Now, what's interesting about this, that's not what Philip asked him. Philip asked him, when are you going to show us the Father? And Jesus responded and said, I've been with you three and a half years, and yet you still don't know me? Okay, go on. He who has seen 
me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Philip, show us the Father? Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Jesus said, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Okay, so let's break this down. What Jesus is essentially saying is this. Hey guys, if you've seen me, you've seen God. If you've seen my character, you've seen God's character. If you've seen the miracles that I performed, I didn't do those on my own. God did those through me. So that is God's character, God's nature, and what God is like. So I just, I just found the humor in that where, you know, bless his heart, Philip. I mean, you know, he didn't understand the question that he was asking. And, you know, hey, Jesus, when are you going to show us the Father? And, and, and I, I can just see Jesus' face. Just I can imagine a smile just comes across his face, and he says, wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on, pump your brakes, Philip. I've been with you for three and a half years, and you still don't believe that the Father's in me and I'm in him. Okay, so... If you want to see what God is like, the best example that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that being said, to know what the will of God is, write this down, to know what the will of God is, you just have to look at Jesus. So if Jesus perfectly exemplified the Father, then it, if... It, I think all of us would agree here this morning that Jesus fulfilled the will, plan, and purpose of God 100%. Will you agree with me on that? I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says Jesus missed it just a little bit. No, he was 100% on all the time. So to know what the will of God is, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this to you, okay, in reference to the comments that I made about the Old Testament. Let me say this to you, okay? If you want to interpret the Old Testament, look at Jesus in the New Testament. If there's a disconnect there, then something else is an issue, not the character of God. Are, are you listening to me? Okay, so I just wanted to say that. So let me show you some verses that talk about the will of God. John chapter 6 and verse 38. John 6 verse 38. Jesus said this, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus' sole purpose in life, as should be ours as believers, but his sole purpose, and by the way, which he perfectly fulfilled, was to not do his own will, but to do the will of who? God, the Father, okay? Look at John chapter 5 and verses 19 through 21. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now, what you need to understand is this, okay? And this will help you a little as we build this case. Jesus did nothing in his earthly ministry as the divine Son of God. The Bible says in Philippians that he set all of that aside when he came into the earth. 
So when Jesus was in the earth and living and ministering, he was living and ministering as a man anointed by God. Okay? So everything he did, everything he said, he didn't do it as God, although he was part of the Godhead, he was part of the Trinity. He didn't do any of that as part of the Godhead. He did it as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. So what's Jesus saying? Okay, guys, listen. The miracles that you see me do, it's not me doing them. It's God doing them through me. Okay? So everything that Jesus did in ministering to people from healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, everything that he did, he did it because number one, he saw the Father doing it in his heart and he just simply carried out what he saw the Father doing. So what this tells me is that every miracle that Jesus performed, Jesus did it carrying out what the Father showed him and told him to do. All right? Now, look at John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Then Jesus said unto them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always, say always, always. I always do those things that please Him. So let me say this to you. There was not one healing that Jesus performed. There was not one miracle that He performed from raising the dead, feeding the multitudes, calming the storms. There was nothing that He did that displeased the Father. In other words, everything he did rightfully and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, pleased the Father. Okay? All right, so that all being said, I'll, let me make some, a couple of comments, okay? So most of the laws working in the earth today came into being through the fall of man. And when I say laws, I mean spiritual laws. So a lot of the things that, that we experience in life, and we'll talk more about this later in detail, but a lot of the things that we experience in life came to pass and came into the earth as a result of Adam's sin. There is a curse that came into the earth because of Adam's sin. It is called the curse of sin and death. Now, because people do not understand this, they accuse and blame God for accidents, sickness, the death of loved ones. They blame God for storms, catastrophes, earthquakes, and floods that occur. Let me ask you a question. Anybody in here have a homeowner's insurance policy? 
Okay, if you were to read the tiny, fine legal print in there, there is a clause in your insurance policy where they talk about things that could happen to your home that are called acts of God. Now, isn't that a shame? Because if a tornado comes ripping through town and destroys your home, the insurance company considers that an act of God. I have good news for you. God is not in the business of tearing up people's homes and causing tornadoes to rip through towns and cause destruction, hurt, and harm. Okay? Who, who is our example? Jesus. Okay. Say, say his name again. So if Jesus perfectly represented the Father, and he did, we've already established that, and we don't see one time in Jesus' ministry where he brought storms on people. If anything, we see a few times where he did everything he could to get storms off of people. There were, you know, two or three instances where the disciples got caught in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a storm. What did Jesus do? There's one storm. He walked right out there to where they were, ended up getting in the boat with them, and the moment he got in the boat, the storm ceased. There's another instance where he had been ministering. They got in the boat. They were crossing the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Sea of Galilee. The widest part of the Sea of Galilee is eight miles, so it's a good little span Okay, it's not like Lake Wiley, all right, where you could swim across. So there, that's why storms would come up in the middle of the Sea of Galilee it's because it's such a big body of water. But what I want you to see is, is that Jesus had just gotten through ministering, gets in the boat, goes in the back of the boat, goes to sleep, lays his head on a pillow, is knocked out, a storm arises, and the disciples come and wake him up and say, hey, Jesus, are you not the least bit concerned that we fitting to die? That's the country version, okay? All right. And Jesus gets up and the Bible says he rebuked them for their lack of faith and he stands up in the front of the boat and says, peace be still, everything came calm. If Jesus used storms to bring instruction and to teach and to help people and all of that, why didn't he just say, y'all, let me go back to sleep. Y'all need to learn something in the middle of this storm. You're just going to have to ride it out. Not one time do we see it. Okay? We see him rebuking, calming storms, and trying to get storms out of people's lives. All right? So let's look at a verse, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Peter's ministering at the house of Cornelius. And he's talking to them, these are Gentiles, and he's ministering to these Gentiles about the Lord Jesus and, and telling them about the gospel. And he says this in the middle of his little mini message that he's giving them, he says this in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed, okay, stop, pause right there. Who did the anointing? God. Who did? God. Okay. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So who did the anointing? God. Who was the anointed? Okay, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So Jesus got anointed by God with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. Who, Jesus, went about doing good and healing some who were sick. Huh? Wait, 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 wait. 
hold on, that he healed those that God wasn't trying to teach something. Okay. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by God. Because God was trying to teach them something. Okay, wait a minute. So y'all are telling me that it was the devil putting all that on those people? Oh, okay. So he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Look at this. For God was with him. So can we say it this way? God was moving in the earth, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil through Jesus. Now, write this down with me, okay, or for me, or for you. God is the one that anointed Jesus to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. Okay, so first of all, Peter called sickness an oppression from the devil. He didn't call it a blessing. He didn't call it a teaching aid. He didn't call it anything he called it what it is and what it was, and that is oppression from the devil, okay? Now, so God is the one that anointed Jesus to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. So we'll see this in just a second. If Jesus was anointed by God to heal all who were oppressed by the devil, where and when will somebody please tell me when that changed and when that stopped. Because if you listen to some religious leaders today, there was a shift that took place at some point and something changed. Because apparently this isn't still applicable. Okay? According to what some teach and what some say. No, I just choose to go by what the Bible says. How about y'all? Okay, all right, now, go with me. I read verse 20 a minute ago, but go with me to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. <clears throat> Again, Jesus is preparing to ascend to heaven. He's, he's accomplished his work in the earth. He's been, he, he was crucified, he was buried, and he's been resurrected from the dead. He's having one last meeting with his staff before he leaves and so he's, he's, he's talking to them and he said to them in verse 15 of Mark 16, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Any believers in here? Okay. Thank you for your enthusiasm. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they, the sick, will recover. All right, now, let me ask you a question. Which sick people did Jesus say to lay hands on and they would recover? Huh? 
Are you sure? Okay. The implication, you're absolutely right, is all of them. So if it were God's will for some to remain sick, then Jesus would have had to have told us something like, lay hands on those that it's God's will to heal and they shall recover, and those that it isn't God's will to heal, leave them alone and they won't recover. That's right, he didn't say that. But again, if you hear some religious folks today, that's what they say, Jesus said, or implies, implied that Jesus said. Okay, are you still tracking with me? Are you sure? Okay. Go with me to James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Okay, so James is writing his letter to believers, to Christians. Okay, he's writing this letter to folks that have received Christ and have been born again. So let's establish that right up front. He's not writing this to sinners. So he says this in verse 14. Is any among you, and I put this parenthetically on the screen, the church. So is any among you believers sick? Okay. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay? Now, is there anywhere in those verses, please help me, is there anywhere in those verses where James, writing by the Holy Spirit, said... Is anyone, anyone among you in the church sick? Let him call for the elders of the church if God's not trying to teach them something through that sickness and disease, trying to make them grow deeper in their relationship with God, or just trying to make them a better Christian. Let them call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith will save the sick, okay? By the way, that word save there should actually be correctly translated heal, okay? Now, this is one way to receive healing. It's not the only way. But my point is this. Nowhere in these verses do we see where God picked and chose or picks and chooses today who needs to be healed and who doesn't need to be healed. So write this down, please, okay? It must be God's will to heal any of the sick in the church. Therefore, it can't be the will of God for any in the church to stay sick. Hello? Okay, let me say that again. It must be God's will to heal any, thank y'all, of the sick in the church. Therefore, it can't be the will of God for any in the church to stay sick. I'm telling you, I am declaring right now, somebody in the context and in the course of this series is going to receive their healing. Okay? 
Because we're going to, I'm telling you what, I don't care if I have to take now until 2025 to preach this series. We're going to get this and I'm going to make it, or the Holy Ghost is going to make it so crystal clear that you don't have any option but to receive your healing. Okay. Now let me just say this. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to keep moving. All right. So let's take a look and let's see Jesus in action. Who is our example? Jesus. Who perfectly fulfilled the will of God? Jesus. Okay. So if we want to find out what God's like, look at. Jesus. If we want to find out what the will of God is, look at. Jesus. Okay. So let's look at Jesus in action. So let's go to Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. And this is one of my favorite stories of Jesus' ministry. And it's covered in Matthew's gospel and I believe it's in Mark's gospel as well. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, And it happened when he was in a certain city. That's Bible talk for saying, and what had happened was, okay. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy. Now again, what do I say pay attention to? Details. This man didn't just have a little bit of leprosy, leprosy on his pinky finger. Or maybe he had just a little bit up here on his earlobe. The Bible says he was full of it. Now what you need to understand about leprosy, leprosy was terminal in that day. It was a disease that was sooner or later going to take your life. So this man had a terminal condition. It was going to kill him at some point. So he was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and implored Jesus saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, let me bring this up to modern English. Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. Now, this man is like millions of people in the earth today. There is no question of God's ability. I think if I took a clipboard and went over to Carolina Place Mall and I interviewed people and I took a survey, do you believe that God is able to heal people that are sick? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I believe God's able. He has the ability. Okay, but the, the, the challenge is this. They really are like this man. There's no question as to God's or Jesus' ability. The question resides in, Lord, do you want to? Or are you willing? If you are willing, you can make me clean. So let this next verse answer this question for you because again, who perfectly personified the will of God? Uh, two or three got it. Who per- Some of you were late, all right. Who perfectly <laughs> fulfilled and displayed the will of God? Jesus. Okay, there you go, all right. Look at verse 13. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying... Now listen, um, I know what you did in your past 
And, uh, you know, you're just having to pay for a little bit of that right now. Uh, you, you know, um, I know what family you come from. You come from a family of troublemakers. You know, y'all got a reputation in this town. And, uh, you know, God's just trying to get y'all's attention so you'll straighten up and start acting right and quit messing with people and, and hurting people and, and doing all of that. Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, and he answered the question once and for all, I am willing be cleansed or be healed. In other words, Jesus said this, I want to be healed. Remember what the man's question was, Jesus, if you want to, I know you can, but if you want to, you can heal me. Jesus, and listen, I love this. Get this, guys. Leprosy was one of the most contagious diseases and still is. It's a still highly contagious disease. Now, we have methods of treatment today, but in that day, it was so contagious that if you were determined to have contracted leprosy, they took you away out of your job, your family, your marriage, everything, and you had to go live way far away from everybody else with a bunch of people that had leprosy just like you. Why? Because they didn't want other people to get it. Okay? Now, I want you to see something here. What's the first thing Jesus did before he said what he said? He reached out and touched him. Jesus ain't scared of getting what you got. <laughs> Can I say this to you? And I love this. Get this. And, and I didn't include this in your notes, but write this down if you want to. Jesus is willing to touch the untouchable. Oh, I, I hope that makes you have to pull the car off on your way home because you're going to realize one day you were untouchable and Jesus decided to touch you. Hallelujah. So this was the response to what the man said. So let's break this down. If Jesus perfectly fulfilled the will of God, if he perfectly displayed the heavenly father to us, which we have already determined that he did on both cases, then in this situation, when he said, I am willing, be healed, then it is the will of God for you and for me to be healed. Somebody might say, whoa, 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 pastor. This was 2,000 years ago. Okay. Things might have changed. Okay. Go with me to Hebrews 13, 8, please. Okay. This, and this will address that. Hebrews 13, 8, real short little verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus was willing then, he's willing today, and he'll be willing tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, forever. Okay? So write this down, please. This is not a fairy tale. It really happened, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and 
forever. So if Jesus is not willing to do the same thing today that he did on this day for this leprous man, then he is not the same and he is a respecter of persons. In other words, and this is what some people believe, that somehow our lives as believers work like Las Vegas. And if you happen to walk up to the blackjack table and you get that winning hand, then bless God, you can be healed. But if you're trying to get 21 and the dealer gives you 23, you're out. Okay? Or like life is like walking up to that slot machine and you got your pocket full of quarters and you keep dropping. Somebody says, Pastor, it sounds like you've done that before. I really haven't. I've seen it in the movies, okay? <laughs> but you keep popping quarters in there, pulling that arm on that one-arm bandit, hoping that you get three in a row so you can win the jackpot. And so what we do in our relationship with God is, because we're not really sure that God First of all, that it's his will to heal. And then secondly, is it his will to heal me? We just think if we keep pumping quarters in that thing and pulling the yard, that maybe one day we'll hit the jackpot and we'll be able to receive. That is not the way heaven works, friends. If Jesus did it for this man, he'll do it for you. If he did it then, he'll do it now. So, if Jesus is not willing to do the same, then he's changed and he's begun to respect people. In other words, you know, it's just if you're one of the lucky ones, you might get healed. It doesn't work that way. Jesus, in all of his ministry, never said regarding healing, I won't or I don't want to. If anybody ever came to him desiring healing, Jesus, now listen, he might have to work with them for just a moment to get them over to faith so they can receive, but he never turned anyone away, not one time. And just in case you might have forgotten, who perfectly displays the will of God? Okay, y'all. some of y'all forgot already. Who perfectly displays the will of God? Okay. Who shows us what the character of God is? Okay. Though there are those that believe it may not be the will of God to heal today or to heal me. My question is, where do they find that in the Bible? Okay. Because write this down, please. If he was saying, I will then, like he told the man with leprosy, then he is still saying, I will now. Now somebody say, well, pastor, how do I receive? Okay, hold on. Stick around. We're gonna, I'm going to show you in the course of this series how to receive your healing. So just buckle your seatbelt and, and keep, keep coming back or listening to the messages. Okay. So how then can we know what the will of God is? There are those that believe that everything that happens is the will of God, both good and bad. 
Then there are those that find out by praying and determining the will of God by the results or lack of results that they get as a, in their prayer. In other words, if I pray and I ask God to heal me and I don't get healed, then it must not have been the will of God for me to be healed. Okay. Aren't you glad we don't apply that where salvation is concerned? Because I think all of us, if we really thought hard and long about it, sad to say that um, we've probably all got loved ones that we're not sure whether they received Christ or not and they slipped over into eternity. And so are we going to wait to find out whether salvation is real and it's for everyone when we get to heaven? Okay. If you do, it's too late. Are there people that perish without knowing the Lord? Yes, of course. But we don't base our belief in the will of God to save people on that, do we? No. We base it on what is the gospel. What does the word say? So the new birth, being born again, is the most important thing that you can know and understand the will of God about. So if God makes that crystal clear, then surely for things that are less important than your eternal salvation, wouldn't he make the will of God known for that as well? Huh? See, you can't determine the will of God simply based on what happens or what does not happen. Plain and simple. You've got to base it on what does the book say. All right, now. Let's look at some examples as, as we bring this to a close, and I'm going to go through these scriptures quick, all right? By the way, throughout this series, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. Y'all okay with that? Okay, just thought I'd check, because if you need, I don't believe in preaching sermonettes, because you know what sermonettes make? Christianettes. So if you want a 15-minute message, don't come to Spring Hill Church. If you don't want three, I mean, if you want three points and a poem and then me dismiss you, don't come to Spring Hill Church, okay? I'm just saying. All right, look at Mark chapter four. And, and by the way, I ran out of room on your notes, so the references are there on the bottom, so you can look at them later, but they'll be on the screen right now. So just follow along with me. Mark four, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. There was not one type of sickness that Jesus did not heal. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics and he healed them. And the implication is them all. Look at Matthew 8, 16 and 17. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed, how many? All who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15, the Bible says, and when Jesus knew it, let me tell you what had just happened. 
The people got excited about the ministry of Jesus and discovering that he is and was indeed the Messiah. So what they decided to do was go ahead and make him king over Israel. And he, it wasn't time for that. And so what he did is he pulled himself away so they couldn't do that. In verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed how many of them? Them all. Air one of them. Okay, air one of them. All right, look at this one. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Now, this is right when he just found out that Herod had beheaded his cousin, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin. Now, and, and I'm not trying to be callous or crass when I say this, but how would you feel if you just found out, you just got word that your cousin had been murdered in the streets of wherever you live, would that bother you a little bit? Would it make you sad? Okay, let me ask you a question. Would you feel like being good to people in that moment? No, you're mad. And that's a human emotion. So Jesus has just gotten word that Herod that heathen king at the bequest of his illegitimate stepdaughter, because he married his brother's wife, they had a party. She stripped for everybody that was there. She pleased all the men that were, I'm just being real. And so Herod said, hey, whatever you want, half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. She must have been good. All right. So instead of making it rain and throwing dollar bills at her, he said, I'll give you half the kingdom. So her mother prompted, somebody said, you sound like you've done that before, Pastor. I'm like, no, I haven't. All right. Y'all leave me alone. I ain't been to Vegas and I ain't been to the strip club. All right. <laughs> All right. So her mother had previously told her, okay, so when, when the king's going to ask you this, so here's what I want. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter because he told me I shouldn't have married Herod. So when the daughter pleased everybody and pleased Herod, Herod said, okay, I got to do what, what she requests. So he went and had John the Baptist beheaded. And so Jesus gets word that his cousin has just been murdered by this evil, idolatrous, heathen king. He's upset, but when Jesus heard it, verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Can, I, I just need to be alone for a minute. I just got to have a minute. Just give, me, just give me a minute. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. Now look what happened. And he was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Here's the difference between you and me and Jesus. Where we get mad and we want to hurt somebody, Jesus didn't let his emotions get the best of him. Now he retaliated, but he retaliated against the one who was really behind the murder of his cousin, and that was Satan. And so what he did is he went out and healed a bunch of people to retaliate against his true enemy. 
Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 31, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at his feet, and Jesus healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now I want to just make this comment, okay? Not one time in Jesus' ministry do I ever find somebody glorifying God in their infirmity. Where I see God get glory is when the lame walked, the mute spoke, the deaf heard, and the blind see. That's what brought glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 19, verses 1 and 2. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee, came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Jesus was so moved with compassion. Now see, we think he was superhuman. He never got tired, never got hungry. Jesus got hangry sometimes. Do you know that? Not angry, hangry. Some of y'all will be hangry in about an hour. Particularly if I preach to about three o'clock. Y'all will get hangry. You know what hangry is? Were you so hungry, you angry? All right. Jesus got hungry, y'all. He got tired. But not one time did he ever tell somebody, hey, why, can y'all just leave me alone? Why y'all always, I, 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 I try, I just, I gotta have a moment. But y'all always follow me everywhere I go. Ushers, where are my ushers? I gotta have my ushers keep the people back. I don't want, I gotta protect the anointing. I gotta protect the anointing so I can't be around the people. I have a hard time with that. Because if you anointed, you ain't anointed for yourself. You anointed for the people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So great multitudes followed him, and he would be moved with compassion, and he would heal them. Mark chapter 1, verses 20, or 32 through 34. And when evening, at evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out demons. He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Every opportunity he got, he healed the sick, cast out devils, and did what God told him to do. Luke chapter 9, verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and received, and he received them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who had need of healing. I want to remind you of what Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Folks, listen to me. If it was the will of God for people to be healed in Jesus' ministry, it is the will of God for people to be healed today. If it was the will of God for believers to be healed in James's church in Jerusalem, then it's the will of God for Christians to be healed at Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
It is the will of God for people to be healed. So now that we've established that, and, and hopefully we've begun to erase the question marks, my desire for you is that your faith can now soar and be able to reach and receive what God has for each of us. So listen, don't miss. If you have to not be here physically, I get that. But listen, listen to the messages. Get these things down in your heart. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be real honest. Can I, can I be very, very transparent with you? I am fed up with seeing sickness and disease destroy people's lives, especially Christians. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. So my job, now again, I'm not the healer, but my job is to be obedient and to tell you that the healer wants to work in your life and bring about healing in your life. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.